Hey, this is D Snyder. You're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hell yeah. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. All right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. It is I, Dr. Fuck, with... Oh, yeah! You're drinking. Yes, I am. I'm back for the attack. That's right. The liver is now getting damaged. It was like, I was feeling better, now this! Fuck my liver. That's right. Anyway, uh... This week, we're reviewing Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. And who was it that requested this one, Ian? Senior Stephen Palmer from the UK. Thank you, Stephen Palmer. Uh, I love when you people request something that's good. And uh, that, this, this, uh, this episode was a joy for me to, to review, and uh, as you will hear. But, you know, before we go to that, uh, what's up, Ian? Oh! I got some good news. All right, what's that? Guess who's back? Back again. That's right, I am back on the radio. Uh, My new show, Wadzilla World, is going to start August 5th on Soundferior. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Soundforia? Soundferior Radio. Uh, If you're on the Facebook pages, I will have all the links. I'm going to be on a brand new station. Uh, it's it's just starting up. Uh, I'm very excited about that. I'm going to be on my same time slot from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, and it's going to be what I envisioned before. It's going to be primarily hard rock and heavy metal, but a whole lot of other shit thrown in nothing is off the table there is no restraints i can play whatever i want uh when i want it's gonna be a very cool show uh you can right now you can go on their website there's a chat room uh you can go in there uh new rule you can request a band but not a song to keep it interesting and it's it's going to be a real cool show. All of you who listened to my last show on that metal station uh, that love that, that's what this show is going to be. And I want to say a thank you to Scott Green. Uh, you know, for the year and a half I spent on that metal station and the great opportunity he gave me and helped me hone my skills as a DJ. I want to thank Scott very much for giving me that because... You know, thanks to him. Uh, you know, and even 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 you, Ralph. I, you listened the first time I did that test thing. It gave me pointers. Hey, do this, don't do that. So all this shit helped shape me to what I am now. And on this on on the new show, Wadzilla World, everything's gonna come to fruition. And I'm very excited. Uh, this station is gonna play all kinds of different shit. There's gonna be a lot of metal, uh, punk, alternative. Uh, you know, bands you know, unsigned bands. I'm very excited to be part of this, and uh, and and I hope you all join me at the same regular time. Uh, soon we we will be on TuneIn, 
and working on other outlets like having an app and all this shit. Um, but I, I ask all of you to join me on Saturday mornings. It will be a very great show, and I'm very excited about this. Well, you're also welcome because um, I got you the goddamn show. Yes. Uh, they hit me up to do a show uh, about three, four weeks ago, about a month ago, I'd say. And uh, I had to decline because I'm, I'm faithful to my lover, Scott. But at the same time, I threw in your name because I also said, look, is it just metal? No, it's metal hard rock. I go, well, that's too bad because uh, Ian would be great for your station, but he wants to do stuff that that's neither. And uh, this person said, um, oh, we can do that too. I go, all right, hit up Ian in two weeks. That's how I said it, because I know Ian needs a break. So hit him up in two weeks. And I did tell you this like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever I say, hey, yes. look, these guys hit me up and I offered, I told them you and they're, they're going to come looking yeah. for you, you know, so. Yeah, they, they didn't want me at first. They just wanted Ralph, but they settled for me and I thank them for that. No, no, that's not the case at all. They know that you pull in a lot of numbers or else they wouldn't have wanted you at all. True. Look at it that way. I'm not saying that, <laughs> that uh, they wanted me and not you. They just weren't thinking right, you know. I had to slap sense into them, saying, "Hey, hey, Godzilla." So, uh, yes, and uh, yeah, good luck with that, dude. I'll be tuning in. Well, I I appreciate that. You better. And I do. <laughs> and thank you for letting me ride your coattails into yet another job. Yeah, look at me, man. God damn. Yeah. Ralph, Dr. Charity Fuck. Yes. Without you, I'm nothing. <laughs> well, that is true, but I also got to say that you're better than me on this show, so what the hell? Uh, but, uh, I, I, may, uh, I, may, I may rag on you for, for, for writing my coattails, but I, I, I honestly think you are the star of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Ah, uh, we, we, we... Hey, you are the ying to my yang. Yeah, well, no, I think I'm the yang to your ying. There, I'll take the coattails. <laughs> my prediction, it will be the number one show on San Fork. <laughs> Sound fear. 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 Sidnack. Sidnack. Exactly. That's what I said. <laughs> and uh, in case Scott pissed me off, I want to thank them, too, for taking me in. Yeah, there you go. You're more than welcome. They yeah, said yeah, that's right. Yeah, Scott, listen up, Val. <laughs> be nice to your star. Uh, hey, be, my... be nice to your prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> your divas. <laughs> your divas, yeah. Be yeah. nice to your divas. You already fucked up one diva. So hey, got... Mike Tyler, we're looking for investors. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I'm kidding. I love Mike. I love Mike. I love that metal station, dude. Uh, you know, it, 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 it is what it is, but it's cool. You know, multiple stations can uh, coexist. And, uh, you know, I, I still love my that metal station family. I still love Scott. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lend him money, but he's still a friend. It's coming soon on thatmetalstation.com. The Dr. Fuck Show Coffee Mugs. <laughs> Dr. Fuck Crocs. And Dr. Fuck Bug Spray. <laughs> Dr. Fuck Crocs. They have more holes than Scott's logic. I'm yeah. just kidding. 
All right. Anyway, anything else, dude? Uh, well, that, 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 oh, no, that ain't it. You got to see a couple of amazing shows. Uh, yes, there, there are several people that have been asking me about it, and I'm like, tune into the podcast. Yes. Like, as you all know, uh, I have a new podcast, Vieira Vault, but no, I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I'm not taking my review over there. I'm bringing it here. I'm bringing it home to the homepage. That's right. And I want to remind people, check out the Vieira Vault, which is available on Podbean, iTunes, and Spreaker. Correct? Yes. And uh, it's been getting rave reviews. Yes. I have read some amazing reviews that that you have done. And and I apologize. I will listen. Unfortunately, my work has changed. So I can't, like, I used to be able to listen to shit at work, and now I can't. Yeah, but, uh, Ian, if you listen, it'll give me another number. You know how much I hate that shit. Yeah, you hate numbers. I love numbers. I'm a whore. But I've read some rave reviews where they said you have done some very in-depth, awesome fucking uh, reviews. And I know you do, because I... Well, it's not that, reviews. Well, yeah, the second episode, I it's not even a review, either. It's I, I really tried my best, and it's not hard to do. To separate this podcast to the Vieira Vault, I do not want people to listen to that going, "Why the fuck is he doing this? Why, why does he do it on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast?" When you listen to my show, you'll understand. Yeah, this won't work on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast because number one, it's not—it's just different. It's—it's—you still get my attitude, you know, and my my zaniness and my little, you know, my little antidotes, but I, I refuse to like review records. And I do a Paul Stanley book thing, but it's not technically a review. I just pick it apart and show the hypocrisy. And I also show the good things Paul says in his book. Right. So it's not but, it's a it's not a biased uh, take on Paul Stanley. And that's the one that everybody's loving, you know? Well, oh, well, I will say, though, the reviews I've read, they said it was very in-depth, very uh, thorough. And I, and I can't wait to hear it, seriously. And I wish... I wish you nothing but success. Everybody check out Vieira Volt. You know, Ralph doesn't do anything half-ass. If you know the Almost Human channel, the Eternal Idols channel, which is how I even met you in the first place. Uh, you know, all the shit you do, everything you do, uh, I support, and I, I know you excel at, so I'm very happy uh, for your, your early success. Did you just and, call uh, me a spick? Did I? No, you didn't. I wanted to. I know. I'm but just you, kidding. You see, we got that. <laughs> we got that telekinesis. <laughs> I, I know. I, I heard what you were saying backwards and said you're I'm a spit. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, thank you, dude. Thank yeah, you. But, and... I, but I voted for Hillary, so I love you. I'm trying to keep you in this country. Ah, okay. Oh, oh, please don't go there. I don't want to get in another novel from Justin Childers. <laughs> it's childers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is childers. <laughs> oh god. We gotta stop with the comedy. We almost made Michael W. Howard spit out his fucking nut. Hey, that guy loves me. He loves yeah. me. Like you love Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Yeah. And the funny thing is, Ruben De La Rosa loves Trump, but I still love him. That, that guy, guy and Michael W. Howard. That guy loves me. <laughs> that that that's difference between me and, and fucking Justin Childers. I can still love 
Ruben De La Rosa, even though he supports communism. You know? <laughs> oh, you you better be thankful that motherfucker doesn't listen to this episode. He'll go crazy <laughs> if you ever heard I, you say that. I know, but I still love Ruben. Ruben's oh, a great man. Guy. That, that guy's more anti-commie than me. And you know no, that's bad. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. He voted for Trump, he told me. <laughs> he did vote for Trump, but, but he's very anti-commie, let me tell you. Anyway, what? before before we get another novel from Justin, uh, let me get into my review. Yes, sir. Uh, which, which was the first show you saw? The one in Melbourne or the yeah, one I in... saw the, the Melbourne show was Ace Frehley uh, headlining. Uh, and that's uh, the, who, that's who was the, the opening act? It was some local band called Vibe that I didn't even watch. Oh, yeah. I don't know them. Um, yeah. Uh, Ace Frehley came out uh, with big ass posters of Trump saying he sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh let me tell you, man, I ended up getting fourth row. Here's the funny story behind it. Uh, I thought I bought tickets to see Ace Frehley in Melbourne. I could have sworn I bought tickets. So the week before, I couldn't find my concert tickets. I'm like, where the fuck is my Ace Frehley ticket? So I went on the website. There's no sign of me buying them. So I actually even had to go to my bank and get my bank statement. To find, you know, where the fuck I bought these tickets from. Turns out I never bought the tickets. Did Scott say, this isn't supposed to happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it was Scott that was supposed to buy my tickets. <laughs> <laughs> he called me up saying, hey, I got your Chase Fraley tickets. <laughs> you fucking diva. <laughs> so. I love uh, you, Scott. Yeah, so, um. So, uh, oddly enough, that day, uh, I'm part of, uh, well, you know, I, I'm on that group page, Ace Fraley in Melbourne, you know, the, the event page. Right. And there was a guy selling tickets on there. And they were great tickets. They were fourth row, and he was selling them at face value. Did you meet Ace? All right. This is something I don't really want to get into details for. Okay. But I had VIP, though I did not pay for it, and I don't want to tell you how that happened but I will tell you this after my experience with that VIP with Ace Fairley I would have gladly paid what and it was 200 and I believe 250 or 260 bucks when I went up to the to to the guy with the VIP he asked for my ID so I showed him my ID and the VIP said Ralph Vieira on it but my my license says Raphael so what yeah. he did was he wrote on a post-it, Raphael 19. That's what he yes. wrote on it. I saw that. I saw that. So when... Uh, the Proof meet- that he doesn't know what year it is. <laughs> exactly. So 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 when we got... When, when the show was over, we all got in line and we all had to go by our assigned numbers. And I was 19. And, and the post-it said Raphael 19. So they said, put that post-it on the... Space Invader poster they gave us. So then when you walk in, Ace will see it and know your name. So that's how Ace, like, when you walk in and you show him the poster, he's like, hey, Raphael, come here and sit down. How you doing, Raphael? Like, you know, he he calls you by your name. So I'm kind of like in awe. You know, I'm kind of like, you know, starstruck because Ace fairly. But I'm I'm really good at meeting people. I don't get nervous or anything, but I, I wasn't nervous with Ace. I was more in awe, you know? And um, 
So like I'm talking to him and he gets the Space Invader poster and he wrote and he writes to Raphael on it. Now I have the a '70s poster of Ace Frehley that's in pristine condition. Oh yeah, that was awesome, dude. So oh. before he signed that, I said, "Oh, oh, Ace, can you can you sign that, Ralph?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, no problem." So um, uh, he signed it, and then I asked him, "Ace, do you run your Twitter?" And he said, "No, no, my record company does." Or so, he goes, "I think my record company does." I go, "Okay," because. Your Twitter keeps putting up a video I made. And he's like, oh, what video is that? I said, 2000, man. And he's like, oh, I never saw it. And then his assistant there goes, oh, I saw that video. Ace, I showed you that video. And he's like, you did? He goes, yeah, it's like like a lot of Dynasty footage. And Ace is like, you got to show me it again. Like, he didn't remember seeing it. So, uh, and then while he's signing it, I go, yeah, Ace, you know, I know you hear this all the time, but, you know. You are my favorite member of KISS, and it is an honor to meet you, this and that. And and then I wanted to hear him laugh. That was like one of my main goals. I wanted to make Ace Frehley laugh, because I love his laugh. Did you tell him one of my jokes? No, but I did oh. say, uh, and fuck fake Frehley Tommy Thayer. And, and, <laughs> and I got a laugh. <laughs> and he, he went, that's good, fake Frehley, I like that. Man, to meet Ace Fraley, dude, and to have him be so nice is incredible, man. You know, no, and, that, and I gotta tell you, the coolest thing he did, though, when I met him was when the guy took a picture of us. Ace wanted to see it. He goes, "Let me see how that came out," and I showed him, and he was like, "That's cool." And I thought that nice. was, maybe he said that to everybody that came in, but it was still cool. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, you know, and I wanted to, yeah, there's like 40 30 people behind me so I, I didn't want to take up too much time and plus you know i went in for free and all these people behind me paid so right. i didn't want to be a hog about it but i said ace it's been a it's been awesome he's like hey thank you Raphael. and he goes by the way tommy's a good guy and that's that's how it is so that was my encounter with that's, ace Frill. man that, <laughs> ace, that ace just... seemed ace seemed very very happy he was in good spirits yeah, and, and you, he was you very met a sober ace. A sober yeah, ace. Yeah, a sober awesome. ace. And he looked great, too. He lost a lot oh, of weight. Yeah, he, yeah, definitely. Def, dude, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad you got to meet him. Now, I, I did see him the next night, but before I talk about the next night, I, I want to tell the difference between the headline set and him opening for Rat. It was pretty much the same length, but there was a song uh, played different on both nights. But I would have got Deuce in Melbourne, but Deuce is the last song in the set. But this was the deal. Melbourne is infamous of... Uh, and I live there. Yeah, it's infamous of you got to end on time. Yes, yes. So Ace Frehley had time to do Deuce, but he didn't know this. He thought that they cut the power off because his guitar stopped working. Now, Mind you, while I watched the show, I noticed Ace turned around to the drummer at the end of Detroit Rock City during the final chords, telling the drummer, look, stop. You know, like, it's over. And then he walked off stage and he seemed kind of upset because what happened was his, his, the power of his guitar went out. And he thought it was they cut the power off on him. Okay. But I didn't know this till we were in the back in line and his manager who's a guy I've seen a lot, by the way, in different videos. He's 
very recognizable dude. <clears throat> he told it's, us that, that it's, story. It's not, it's not George Suet, right? He's not so with George Suet. No, it's called John Osgoguire or something like that. I oh, it, it, it's not uh, the dude from Talking Metal, is it? John uh, John Alta Meyer or something? I don't know Talking Metal. I mean, oh, okay. But anyway, so... Um, well, what was your favorite song that he played? What do you think was the best one? The one that, that you were like, holy shit, this is amazing. Well, he did play my favorite song, but I won't say that was my favorite highlight of the night. And even it was the very first time I seen him play Snowblind. Because that's my all-time favorite Ace Frehley solo song. And, right. I, and I've seen Ace like a dozen times. I've never seen him play it. But he did finally play it. But right. I, I got to say, he played it kind of slow. It was still cool, don't get me wrong, but it, it was played slow, which was strange. So what was, your, what was your favorite song? <clears throat> I'd have to think about that, because uh, Rocket Ride was awesome. Um, Parasite, he opened with Parasite. Strange Ways, just to see him do that solo in Strange Ways was worth admission alone. Did and, he play Dark Light? No. Exactly. <laughs> All right, drunky, <laughs> and don't get creatures of the night on me. Ah, shit. <clears throat> I'm not that bad. So, <laughs> the second night, the difference was he did get to play Deuce, but he didn't play Snowblind. Now, I'm glad I went to Melbourne because even though he played it slow, I finally, finally got to see Ace do Snowblind. And, uh, <clears throat> now. The Hollywood show, that, that that's my review of the Melbourne show. I interrupt this podcast just to bring up something that I forgot to bring up about the Melbourne show. Is I met Tim Bream. He's part of the podcast page. Super cool dude. And I want to thank you, Tim, uh, for giving me the CD of your band. And I will listen to it soon. And I'll let you know what I think. So, uh, cool. I met Tim Bream. Really cool dude. Now back to the podcast. I, I got to say, the Hollywood show, I think the energy was a little better than Melbourne, even though the Mel, uh, the Melbourne show, the, 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 the audience wasn't as fired up. Oh, they, they suck. I lived there for 12 years. It's cultural wasteland. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, in Hollywood, he, he was, and he played, and he wore an Ace Frehley shirt with makeup, which was cool. So they were great. Then Rat came out. Now, my main gripe with Rat, as you all know, is Stephen Piercy is a frontman. Right. Well, I gotta say, Stephen Piercy was not being lame. He was into it. He really gave an effort. Uh, Juan Cruchier, out of nowhere, this guy's now stage moves I fucking adore. I was so entertained by this guy. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his little windmills. Like, they open with Wanted Man, and he's center stage, by the way, and he's right. hopping all the way up to front row, I mean, all the way to the front of the stage, with the bass over his head, dan 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 and he's hopping up, and I was like, right off the get-go, I was like, man, look at Juan, man, <laughs> you know? I will say, the reason why I think uh, Juan is so entertaining to watch live, opposed to the 80s, it's because he packed a bunch of pounds and he's not that agile anymore. So he can't go like that that crazy like he did back in the day. But he just did that little like, you know, sidestep thing. And Ruben De La Rosa t- 
told me. I love thought, that guy. He told me uh, Rat uh, was better. I I heard that from uh, more than one review. Yes, yes, honestly. and I heard somebody else say it on the podcast page. Uh, my buddy too, Matthew Sanders. I love uh, that guy. Yeah, he's a cool kid, young kid. Uh, but you know, my friend, uh, my friend. Uh, oh God, damn it, Roger. I think I'll... he loves. I think he loves Rat more than you. What? He was very disappointed in Rat. And so were several other people. Like the people I was with, they were like, "What the fuck?" And I gotta say, with the positive I just said, the one thing I love about Rat the most was the most disappointing part of the show. Warren D. Martini was sloppy. He didn't play the solos like they were on the album, and like he didn't shred till the last two songs. When they played Body Talk and Round and Round, they were awesome. I mean. As a unit. Now, Carlos Carvazzo, on the other hand, was completely owning uh, fucking Demartini the whole show. You know, we all know, you know, who's the better guitar player here, but Carlos was great. He was awesome. Um, Piercy, like I said, he was animated, but he did something that I've never seen any frontman do. You know when front men between songs, they go, hey, how you doing here on the side, hey? And then he goes to the other side, how you doing over here on the side? He did that, you know, what's to expect? I mean... I I hear Hialeah likes to party. Exactly. But not not to expect from Piercy, because he's such a dead front man, but here he is, actually acknowledging the crowd, getting into it, but he did it two more times during the show. And I was like, yo, dude, stop that shit already, you know? That was my only complaint about Piercy, and... That motherfucker doesn't even try to hit the higher registers, even though his higher registers are very brief. Uh, his voice is totally... It, it's He sounds okay singing in his regular voice. Okay, not great. Okay. But when you get to the higher register, he doesn't even try. Uh, which, you know, you can say, wow, he's old, but fuck, dude. I mean, but he's not a Rob Halford or, you know, somebody that, that you know, you have to fucking strain to sing. I mean, but... Um, I got to say, I was disappointed in Rat. Um, Ace Frehley, I thought, was way better. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But at the same time, I didn't leave the show going, God, fuck Rat. You know, I, I, you know, it was a fun show. They were fun. Mainly, to me, the fucking, the the star of the show was Juan Cruciate for me. Right. I, but, but like... You know, you thought you were going to leave like Bash and Steve, but Warren was the one who really let you down. Yeah, and he's my favorite member of the band. Mine mine as well. So I was disappointed in Warren Martin's playing. And even Ruben, who said that Rat was better, even admitted that to me. Saying, you know what, man? Warren was struggling. And I was like, yeah, because they opened with Warner Man right into I'm Insane. Now, I got to say the set list was great. They did, well, the one song that everybody loves that's a deep track that I can give a fuck about is Dangerous Worth the Risk. They played that. Right. Uh, I, I can care. They did Walking the Dog, which was cool. Nice. They did uh, Slip of the Lip. Uh, they did a lot of songs I like. Way Cool Junior, I like that song. Uh, they did, um, yeah. Body Talk was great, though. I got to say, even Warren. Ooh, I, I love that song. No, no, that was great. And even though uh, Stephen Piercy fucked up when he introed that song earlier in the set. He goes, this next song is from uh, Dancing Undercover. It's Body Talk. And they went into Back for More. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, 
all in all, it was a good night out. It was a fun night out, a fun show. I enjoyed the show. And um, that's my review. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to say about both shows. So I got to say Ace Frehley was great. Oh, oh, and Chris Wise, who was in the cult. Yes. That guy did a bass solo that left my jaw dropped. You know, bass solos are usually boring. Not this dude. He did a very killer, 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 killer bass solo. The girl I was with in Melbourne was like, that was her favorite part of the show. And um, I, I also want to give a plug to his band, Owl, O-W-L, like a bird. Uh, when I was in New York to see Dave Lombardo, uh, he, I saw a film. Was that the name of his band? Dave Lombardo's film? Yeah, yes, yes. I saw that in New York when I was on tour. When we were in New York, uh, we had a day off, so we went to go see that. And uh, the opening band was Owl. And I heard a guy, and I, oh, that's Ace Frehley's bass player. So I did get to speak to him briefly, and I bought the CD. And uh, he's a singer, bass player in that band. The guy's a major talent. He, he sang Strange Ways that night. The drummer, I can't remember his name, of Ace. Holy fuck, what a great voice on that guy. That guy did the Paul Stanley songs. He did uh, Love Gun and uh, Detroit Rock City. Now, yes. I got to say this. I do not like that Ace Frehley does those songs. Oh, really? Okay. I, well, it's the same reason I don't like seeing Tommy Thayer do an Ace Frehley song. I don't want to see Paul Stanley do Paul, uh, these songs. Now, I don't mind him doing Strange Ways and Parasite because he, he wrote them. Right. Now, now, when he does the other songs, though, did, did he do the vocals or was it somebody no, else? No, he, he only did Parasite. How he was played. the vocals on Parasite? Did he do good? Oh, he was great. He was great. Oh, not, he sang nice. it like Ace. He should have did it on Hotter Than Hell. No shit. Nice. That's, yeah, that's, you know, he sang it great. Nice. Which, by the way, you can see the full show on my YouTube, because by the time this airs, uh, I, I I didn't film the whole show. This is what I did. I filmed, like, select songs, but I found somebody online that filmed the whole show, so I added my songs to his songs. So I'm going to put it all up on, on YouTube, and it'll be up by the time you hear this episode. On Almost Human 56, if you want to see it, he opens up with uh, Parasite. And uh, Richie Scarlet too. I forgot to mention him. Great, great fucking performer. Oh, uh, yeah. Gr- great ace collaborator. Yeah, yeah, great guy. You know, I met him before. I didn't meet him that night, but I met him before, and he's a, he's a nice guy. And uh, he did Too Young to Die. Uh, I and love that, that song. That guy is an amazing guitar player, too. I mean, you talk about a shredder. You know, Ace is like, you know, like that cocksucker Bob Kulik that's so jealous of Ace. He's like, oh. he's like yeah. I'm like Jimmy Page, but Ace is kind of like the sloppy Jimmy Page. Yeah, well, the sloppy got your job, prick. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. Did you have a different favorite song on the different nights? Uh, like, did it change or was it the same favorite? Man, I, I, I'm telling you, it's hard for me to pick what, I guess, you know, in a way, strange ways because of that solo. Parasite, because it's such a great opener. Hey, you know something I noticed about Ace on both nights? When it was time for his guitar solo, I noticed they raised the volume on his solo. I mean, uh, his guitar seems to go louder when he when he did a solo, and I really like that because it really like put him like up front, like it, it kind of like you know enhanced the 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 live experience. You know, I mean, so- he didn't he didn't sound low, but when he did a solo, you can tell it, like, cranked up, you know? In your expert opinion, 
do you think he's like do you think he's in training to come back or no I don't think so uh, yeah, honestly, so. he has dropped a lot of weight. Um, and I will say this, and financially, it's not a good thing for Ace, but I'd rather him be solo because I would hate to pluck down money to watch Paul Stanley croak through songs. Let Ace do his solo shit. I know it's not good for him financially, but I prefer Ace solo. I, and, you know, a lot of people are bitching online because I'm part of a lot of KISS groups and people are like, would you all shut up already about Ace coming back? It's not going to happen. I'm like, yeah, I hope so. You know, I don't give a fuck if he comes back uh, or not, you know? I really don't you, care. Did you ever see Fraley's Comet? Yes. I saw him once on the first album tour with White Lion opening. Uh, what did you think of Fraley's Comet? Was it was it good? Well, I got to say it was the best time I ever saw Ace Fraley solo. Oh, no shit. Yeah, because oh, no it was, it, and also it was special because I've never seen Ace Frehley to that point. Because I saw Creeds of the Night. Right. The first time I saw Kiss. So finally seeing Ace live, and he came out and opened with Rip It Out. It was like, oh my God. You know, this is pre-internet uh, where you knew the set list. And just him opening up with Rip It Out was so fucking badass. Right. But anyway, yeah. I, I would like to talk now about Chester Bennington. Okay. There uh, the, go. the suicide, or, you know, suppose, you know, now they're talking about it might be murder, or whatever. I have a real hard time dealing, and you know me, I'm not a Linkin Park fan, but if you do listen to that podcast we did, the Rock and Roll, whatever, uh, I believe, it, maybe it wasn't on my list, but I did mention that I liked the Linkin Park song. Oh, God. It, uh, breaking, breaking My Habit. I, I, and the thing I love about that song is the vocals. And I mentioned that on the podcast. Don't think I, just because this guy died, I'm bringing this up. Because actually, right. I am a little guilty because after he died, I listened to that Breaking the Habit song and I went, dude, I got to look into this because this guy's a great singer. So I l- looked into like, I don't know, like four or five other Linkin Park videos. And I was like, I can't get into this. I couldn't get into it. But I do like that one song. But this ain't about him. This is about fucking idiot scumbag motherfuckers that make fun of this guy's death. You know, like, oh, and like these, I'm not even going to bring up the memes because you're drunk and you're going to laugh. And I'm gonna, then I'm going to get pissed at you. But people oh, make... Don't get mad at me. People, get, people make fun. Like, let, let me put it this way. These same motherfuckers, if Lemmy was to hang themselves, they'd be offended by memes of, right. you know, of, of Lemmy killing himself. I just hate the hypocrisy of people. I've okay. seen one, so one guy making fun of this guy's death, and I, I, ironically, like not even two to three days later, his buddy was killed in a car crash, and here he is putting sympathy posts. Oh, my buddy died. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, yeah, dude. I mean, that guy, a life is a life, asshole. You know what I mean? So I, all I got to say is uh, the whole suicide thing, <clears throat> and also, just to discount this guy as, oh, you had kids, and you, you know you're a selfish prick for killing yourself having kids. I just recently, and if you listen to several episodes back, I had a friend commit suicide. They had a daughter, and he was suffering depression. And in his suicide note, he wrote, um, "Your your life would be so much better without me." Now. My example, for him to say that to his daughter and then kill himself shows you how depression really does 
fuck your mind up. It's to me, I equate it to Alzheimer's. It's kind of something you can't help. Now, I don't know if this Chester Bennington guy had depression and that's why he killed himself. And nobody knows. So, you know, just to make fun of this guy's death, the same thing with Chris Cornell and, or, or, you know, or, uh, I remember the guy from Suicide Silence. I saw Suicide Silence open for Megadeth and I thought they were fucking terrible. But that guy died on a motorcycle accident. He had a kid and wife and people were making fun of him on my band page, Thrasher Die page. And I got extremely offended. I don't like the band, but this is a guy that had a kid and a wife and parents. You know, people are just fucking scumbags and I can't stand fucking people like that. You know, and, and maybe I'm going to be hypocritical, but boy, it'd be nice if they hung themselves. Thank you. All right. Uh, I can retard. Yeah, go ahead, retard. <laughs> oh, I, I see what you did there. That shit, you do something like this, it's permanent. And it doesn't just affect you. You doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, it's selfish what you do to people who love you, people who depend on you, uh, the, it, 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 it's an easy way out. You know what's hard is getting up every day and facing life and doing, doing shit like this. And I don't want anybody who listens to this show thinking that, oh, hey, doing this, I'm going to get on fucking blabbermouth or, or once I do this, people will remember me. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has bad shit that happens. Fight through that shit. Stay, you know, do what you gotta do. It's not always easy, but fight through that shit. You know, listen well, no, to... no, I, I agree with you. And look, I'm not even defending this Chester guy because for all I know, he did it selfishly and terrible. Now, the difference between my friend that killed himself, yeah, I don't but... think every suicide is mentally the same. I think uh, in my friend's case, and who knows, maybe Chester was like him. I totally understand there comes, and it doesn't matter all the money in the world you have. You're not thinking straight. You're not thinking like, well, I got a lot of money. I can go get help about this. No, you can't even think that straight, you know? So my point is maybe what he did was a horrible thing terrible selfish cocksucker thing to do i'm not saying it's not but here's the thing dude we all are so quick to judge and say he did it because of this he did it because of that no you don't know what he was going through in his head we all don't know no 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 we we don't know but you know you know what we do know is there are six people on this planet that called him dad yeah and it's terrible it's a terrible thing that 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 looked up no matter how we can make fun of his music and do this i don't care who you are well unless you're sammy hagar then do it but anybody else it's like there's people who call this guy dad that when he walked in the room this guy was dad okay and whatever the fuck you're going through those little motherfuckers are more important than your fucking white people problems. I agree, but and, and I, I but, don't. But that's I, I, if, 
But I'm just saying, you're right. That's if he did it in a selfish way. If he wasn't that type of depression my friend went through, yes, I agree with you. It's terrible that he did it. I'm not defending it, but what I'm saying is that in some cases, people aren't thinking right, and they do it just like, all right, let me put it this way. Somebody with Alzheimer's, you think they can snap out of it? You know, it to me, after I look, I thought just like you, dude. I thought exactly like you. And if I had my friend that killed himself do it in his house, I'd probably still be thinking like you. But to read that, to hear about that suicide letter, to hear what he went through, how he wasn't fucking thinking straight. And my brother, like, even reached out to him days before. I mean, literally a two or three days before he died. Dude, let's hang out because he kept avoiding my brother. And the last conversation he had with my brother, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. And then he ended up doing that. He, he, he left his house, rented a hotel room, put, shot himself. I don't know how he shot himself. Left a letter saying in the letter, you'd be better off without me. To, to, for him to think that shows you the guy ain't thinking straight. He ain't thinking, oh, if I kill myself, I'm going to really destroy them. No, he killed himself thinking that he was doing them a favor. Now, that shows you what depression can do to your brain. That's right. my point. Well. Yes, you know, it's terrible. You know, you know, you know, Dude, no, my... you think I, I sympathize 100% for those kids. I really do. And even if, dude, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to kill yourself. I understand that. Right. But if you're suffering that bad of a depression like my buddy did. But the young people that we have that listen to this show. Do not think this is the answer. This is not like, oh, they'll remember me when I'm gone. You know, shit happens, man. Life is fucking hard. And sometimes you're on top of the world. And sometimes you're on the bottom of the barrel. And sometimes you're fucking the fat girl that's holding up the barrel. You know, but when you're young, you don't realize shit passes and shit happens. Ralph, you know this more. There there was times when you worked dead in jobs and you, you didn't make money and shit didn't fucking work out great. Look at you now. You have... Well, and that's because my parents treated me like shit. Look, I'm not, I don't know this person you're talking about and maybe his parents are different than mine. Maybe they're mentally abusing them, whatever. My parents never mentally abused me. What my well, parents well, did no. was treated me like shit. Because I was a shit. Right. And right, I thank but... my parents. I thank them for all the terrible times they gave me because of me fucking up. And it took me it took me years to realize my parents were right. And I deserve to be treated like shit. And, and that's that's what I'm getting at, is you don't understand it when you're in the middle of that man. My fucking mom used to tell me shit. My dad used to tell me shit. And I was like Fuck you. I know it all. You can't tell me yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. When but, we're young, but, we think we know it all. But you know now, if your parents didn't instill what they did, that 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 don't give up, that this you wouldn't be who you are today. And you went through periods where you were suffering, where you weren't making money, and now you have a great job. You have a successful podcast, a radio show, you're a fucking uh, YouTube sensation. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to everybody, but what I'm saying is... Oh, no, it can. It can. Well, look, it, look it, you want to talk about bad times, dude? 
You know how I ate at one time, picking through dumpsters, flicking ants off a fucking burger. That's my at the lowest. Okay, that's me at the lowest. Homeless in California with nobody to depend on, living in, sleeping on a park bench in Venice Beach. That was my life, and look what happened to me since then. Right, and 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 you're alive now, and you are a fucking rock star. I've, I'm about to play to over ten thousand people headlining in, in Colombia. And yeah. why? Because of perseverance and dedication and believing in you, my band. With you, all the detractors out there, which is about 2% of the people I see on that hate my band with a passion, they can't stop me. You never gave... You are the man who wrote Demons. Yeah. You know? And that means a lot. I mean, and I know you've got to realize this because so many people have wrote to you and said what you wrote, you know, the combat song, Demons. Yeah, people people changed their lives because of that song, and it's been more yes. than three or four. There's so many people that told me that song, the lyrics of that song, made them overcome alcoholism, nicotine, uh, school. And to me, that is the greatest thing in the world to hear somebody tell me that something I wrote changed their lives for the better. Right, and, and I'm I'm never do anything like that because I'm a piece of shit who makes jokes about drugs. You're <laughs> you know wrong. I mean? You're 100 wrong. Whoa, 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 and, no. and, and that's the wrong message to give everybody. Oh. Everybody out there, you have the potential oh, no, to I, do whatever the fuck you I, want. Look, I, look I, what happened to you with this podcast, Ian. I mean, people love Wadzilla now. Why? No, it's not because of me. Don't go there. <laughs> it's because of your talent. Yes, I'm the guy that did your little platform. Yeah, but... But, but, but I mean, that's kind of like me saying, well, Van Halen wouldn't have been anything without Ted Templeman. If, if you feel like you have no other option, reach out to somebody. Whether whether it be us or... I'm not saying I'm like, a, you know... the But... You know what I mean? There are outreach numbers. There are all kinds of things. If you feel like you have no other option, reach out to somebody else. I have it right here, Ian. I just looked it up. Uh, suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's 1-800-273-8255. It's a 24-hour line. Just call. And uh, that's who you need to speak to. If you can't afford psychiatric help uh, or nobody around you is getting through these guys I'm sure are professionals I'm sure they know exactly what to say what you need to hear you need to hear this shit me and Ian are making a great point but maybe we're not getting through so call 1-800-273-8255 I will repeat the number again thank you very much 1-800-273-8255 Call that number and and believe me, you are going to miss out on so much cool shit. But anyway, so what are, what do you say we get into the review? Oh, okay. Well, this one is for Stephen Palmer from the UK, an awesome fucking fan. I wish he was going to be there in Nashville, but he's not. But uh, man, he, he's going through rounds. He goes, how about this? How about you guys do fucking killing is my business? And oh my God, when I thought nothing could get harder than my dick, when I told Ralph we're going to do this album, here we go for Stephen Palmer. This is Megadeth. Killing is my business. 
and business is good. Well, all right, now it's time for the review of the 1985 album, the first Megadeth album, Killing Is My Business. Yes, I don't even have to ask you, Ian, because I know it's 1985 because of my history with the album. And I have said this in the past before, pretty sure it must have been on a Megadeth episode. But since I talked about this album on a past episode, I have to talk about it on this episode. How I discovered Megadeth uh, was I used to go to an import store called Open Books. Used to catch a bus. It would take me 90 minutes to get there on a bus. And I got there and I'm looking through the, the albums and I find, you know, Megadeth killing my business with the little sticker on it that says featuring X Megadeth, X Metallica guitar player Dave Mustaine. Now, I know Dave Mustaine because I owned... Um, Metal Massacre and also and Metal Massacre said on the back you know Ron McGovney, Dave Mustaine and and then I noticed you know when I uh, got Kill Em All oh wait Ron McGovney and Dave Mustaine ain't on here what happened to those two guys you know <clears throat> and, uh, and I also had No Life to Leather but I had a bootleg of it that didn't have you know obviously band members Nate and, uh, notes on it but anyway so um I said, oh my God, I, I got to get this. Dave Mustaine, this is great, you know? And um, I go up to the counter to buy it and I left my wallet at home. And Ouch. I actually had no money to get back home and I actually panhandled to get back home. Uh, <laughs> I actually did. I went out and asked people for money to get back home. I, and back then it was 75 cents. So I, I, I asked people for 75 cents and then... Oh, I'm sorry, I got no money. And then it got so bad, I was like, can I have a quarter? You know, I'm sorry, look, you know, I, I just need to get back home. And, and one guy was nice enough to give me the 75 cents because I explained it to him. Look, uh, can you just spare a quarter? I need 75 cents. Like, I can find two other people that'll give me 75 cents. He actually gave me a dollar, so which was great. So <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you have to do for that dollar, little boy? Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not proud. <laughs> but I can tell you this I had no idea I could make a guy come with my mouth <laughs> that was a revelation right there anyway so um, so I take the bus all the way home that's three hours later and I get home and I get my wallet and I go back and uh, oh, I also told the guy at the counter because it was the only copy Please put the. I should have asked him for 75 cents. I don't know what I was thinking. That guy knew me, you know? It's like I was always fucking there. It's like, dude, I left my wallet. Can you give me bus fare? I'll pay you right back the bus fare. But hey, since I didn't do that, I say I'm I'm a dollar richer. Because I would have had to pay that back. So I, um, <clears throat> so I go home. <clears throat> I go home and I put this album on. And like like true '80s fashion, I I would pull out the album sleeve with the lyrics, and uh, put the headphones on. And I gotta tell you, on first listen, first listen, it was totally different. I never heard anything like this in my life. But I got it. For some reason, I got it. It made sense to me. And it was, to me, this is a, to me, this is a very very underrated album. In many, in many uh, 
respects as far as, you know, game-changing, but it didn't really change much. This album didn't really do that well. You know, it wasn't until the next album, which is my favorite one, uh, Peace Sells. But this one was a very unique album at the time, just like Merciful Fate was and Celtic Frost and all that shit. But um, it just floored me. And it was like, wow, uh, this is fucking amazing. And I was very amazed by Dave Mustaine's voice. I mean, yeah, looking back on it now, it probably doesn't have like the greatest voice in the world, but at the time... You think about playing this style of music and singing, and there's a guy that was only a guitar player in another band. Pretty mind-blowing, so. Uh, and it became uh, an album I play a lot. A lot back then, you know. I was really into Megadeth at that time. And they were that, <clears throat> you know, they're... <clears throat> excuse me. And I still got that jizz from 1985. <laughs> <clears throat> that was a big load. Uh, tell me uh, that um, uh, how you discovered this album. I'm sure it was uh, after you bought some other Megadeth album, right? Oh, oh yeah. It was matter of fact. It was years and years later. Uh, I first discovered Megadeth, of course, with Peace Cells, and uh, you know I told the story. I, I bought that in Striper to Hell with the Devil the same day. Well, well my grandmother did for me. But uh, you know, I'd always heard bad stuff about the album uh, I uh, as far as production and when you saw the CD back then it was still like the combat version and you're old enough to remember you know stuff that was on independent labels it wasn't even packaged as nicely as shit that was on major labels and I bought a couple like you know independent records and bootlegs and stuff and I always knew they sounded worse so for that reason I always stayed away from it and none of my friends like, nobody really turned me on to Thrash. I discovered Thrash on my own through, you know, Headbangers Ball and shit like that. And uh, so none of my friends had a copy of this. And I just, you know, I got Peace Cells, and then I kept buying them as they came out. Never going back and getting this. And then after Euthanasia, I pretty much gave up on Mega. I mean, I like Euthanasia. I, I, I still do. I should say after Cryptic Writings. I never bought Cryptic Writings. I just heard it. And I was like, oh, God. And a friend of mine had it. I was like, oh, fuck. Fuck Megadeth, you know? And so I never discovered this one until I would say probably late 90s, early 2000. I finally got around to getting it. And it was, it was, uh, it was still the These Boots version? Uh, by then? No, I didn't even have a, a physical copy. I got it like in the, in the Napster age. You know, okay, I was just, okay. I was just, I was just like, oh, I, I, I never bought this one. Uh, yeah, yeah I, let, I don't remember when. I, yeah, I think it was maybe in the two thousands. Uh, they edited boots. Yeah, I, I think, it, I think it was either late nineties or early millennium when that, when that shit happened. I, I think the album had been out for about fifteen years, so that put it around two thousand or so. Hey, when it's three thousand, when we reach the year three thousand, I know, I know, you'll be dead by then. Yes. Uh, am I going to be calling it Millennium? Are we going to um, <laughs> us, us people going to be calling Millennium again? I think so. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> people say Millennium. I'm like, which one? <laughs> Will there be another? It'll be Y3K. You know, you'll be you'll be scared about that. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but then <laughs> fl flying cars will crash. <laughs> All the computers will shut down. Uh, computers. That'll be fucking ancient by then. 
But uh, when I finally got around to listening to it, I was like, wow. You, you know, I, I really liked it now. The first thing I noticed was, man, people were right about the production. Because, you know, compared to all the other ones that I heard, it was really, really raw. You know, and I'd already heard the stories by then, you know, about how they spent the money for that. I think they got 8000 for the record um, from combat. They spent 4000 of it on drugs and booze and food and had to fire the producer and do it themselves. And I was like, man, the production is, is definitely lacking. But, man, the songs. And I would say, I don't think this is a flawless album, but it's almost neck and neck um, with Peace Cells for my favorite Megadeth. I really... The stuff on this I love, I really love, and I think it's some of their best. Uh, this is still, the original lineup is still my favorite lineup of, of Megadeth. Uh, I know everybody is all about fucking Marty Freeman, uh, but man, I, I'll take Chris Poland any day. Yeah, I'm telling Marty you, Freeman. man, me, you, and science agree on that one. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, and I don't want to leave out, as much as I love Nick Menza, I thought Nick Menza was a fantastic drummer, uh, Gar. Uh, Samuelson was fucking incredible. I gotta and tell those... you something about Scar. When I the only time I saw him live, which was twice, because Megadeth played two nights in uh in uh, Miami Beach. And let me tell you, man, the memory I remember the most of the Peace Cells tour was the way it was set up, like the back, the the you know it was a theater. So the wall, the one thing I can remember so well about that show, the first show, because. I mean, I'm sorry, the second show. The first show, I was in the pit, marching around. The second show, I went up in the balcony and watched it, was his silhouette. Gar's silhouette on the back of that wall was like watching an octopus, you know? <laughs> like an octopus. It looked like an octopus, dude. The guy was just mind-blowing. And that's one thing I remember the most. Chris Pollan's amazing. I mean, the band's amazing, period, everybody. But there was something about Gar live that was like a freaking it was kind of like a, a good a good example would be chuck biscuits you know oh, going to see yeah. Danzig and like oh, yeah. wow chuck biscuits even though guard didn't have a tiny little drum set but it was one of those experiences where i saw Danzig live and all i did was focus on chuck biscuits and the same thing with gar samuelson i was like fuck that guy's amazing you know but go on sorry yeah well no i mean i'm back i never got to see gar unfortunately but I know what you mean by seeing the original Danzig band. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, drummers just so powerful. It, you know, you're not looking at the front band or shit, you know, just like, wow, look at this. You know, where's this sound coming from? I got to focus on this. Yeah. And that's how Chuck was. And you can hear on record that's how that's how Gar was. And it's such a shame that, you know, we didn't get more from that lineup. You know, I know Chris Poland went on to do some other solo albums and stuff like that, but you never really heard of Gar after, you know, Peace Sells. But, man, this album is so amazing. And then something I just discovered, uh, oh, I'd say a couple weeks ago, another thing I, I, <laughs> I downloaded but I never bought was the remastered version of this album. Oh, that's and, terrible. Uh, I disagree. Oh, it's terrible. I, I disagree. Now, all the other uh, remasters that I heard from Megadeth, I couldn't stand, especially, especially So Far, So Good, So What, because a lot of that was re-recorded and changed. And it's like, as much as I would have liked, you know, better production on So Far, So Good, 
I want the same music, man, and they changed fucking everything. But when I heard the remastered for this album, I thought to my, I'm like, man, that's how you fucking remaster. Now, maybe it's because you lived with it so long. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I, I loved it, but it was one of those albums where it's like, man, if only this sounded better, because the songs are there. You know, the guitar playing, the drumming, you know, his vocals, everything's there, but it's just a really bad sounding album, you know, to me. But then when I, I was like, well, let me check this out, because I, I listened to the original first. I was like, let me compare it, see if this remaster is as bad as the other ones. And I got to tell you, I absolutely loved uh, the sound on the remaster for this one. And I actually, I actually prefer it. I, I think everything's brought to the front. Uh, I didn't hear the changes in the music, you know. Uh, th- this one, this one was done separately from all the Capitol record, you know, from uh, the other remasters that were Peace Cells through, I believe, uh, I believe through Risk, and and those, a lot of those had portions re-recorded, and you, you know, uh, you know, different stuff added to it. But this one, as far to my ears, was the same musically. It was just cleaned up a lot. Uh, well, I'll it, give it another chance because I never owned it. Right. I heard it once and I was like, eh, no, thank you. But you know what? Maybe I didn't even hear it all. Uh, yeah. I, I just remember hearing it once, but I, I never owned it because, you know, I have I have the original Combat CD and the vinyl. I still got them both. You know? Now, so, uh, I, I can send it to you. And now it, it does yeah, have. Yeah, do send it to me. It does have. Well, I mean, uh, Mr. X. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the stupid boots uh, sound effects. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what probably tainted it for me. Because when it, I heard that, I got so mad. Yeah, and it's a different uh, order as well. Uh, boots oh, really? Is, yes. Uh, well, everything is the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boots is at the very end, right? Boots is at the very end. Uh, but yeah, I would really like you to listen to it again, and 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 you know, and maybe do like what I did, listen to them both back to back, and see what you think. Because, like I said, to my ears, they didn't fuck with the music. They just cleaned it up, and it was it was much more punchier. Yeah, uh, because looking back on it, that's the only thing I remember was Boots, and it pissed me off. So that's probably what turned me off to even buying it, you know? Right. <coughs> but uh, I didn't like the cover either. And I know, yes. I know, I know a lot of people like that cover. I've seen people tattoo more than one person with that cover tattooed on them. Yeah, and, and, and I know that, I know Dave hates that cover. I love that fucking cover, the original yep. one. Well, I well I'm the same. We agree on that too. I think the original cover is just so fucking metal. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean it is so. And I'm the, the first time I saw that cover was sitting in a theater watching Trick or Treat. You know, and flipping. Ah, through, yeah, all, yeah, all, yeah. All, that's the first time I saw. It. And even back then. When it, you know that, and that was before I was listening to Thrash. I just saw that. I was like, "Wow!" And uh, you know that that's something. That story is legendary. The, the I believe Combat lost the artwork that he sent him, and uh, so they kind of did all that last minute. But I think it looks way better than the remastered cover. I gotta and, look into a shirt like that because I've never seen a Killing of My Business shirt ever. Uh, I'll see what I can find too. Uh, but what I'm looking for, and for our listeners out there, I was looking today, and I, I just wasn't sure, because I've seen a bunch of different vinyl copies of this, but I I would like to get the remastered version, but with the original cover. 
and they have some that came out around the same time as the remaster, and it says reissue, but I don't know if it's, you know, the remastered recording with the original version. But uh, as far as the, the regular remaster that he put out, that's never been put on vinyl, you know, with the new cover. That's never been put on vinyl. Um, but yeah, man, if you could combine those two, because to, to me, man, I look at that new cover, I'm like, no, no, no. And maybe, you know, it, it's an age thing, too. We grew up with that cover. You know, that was a legendary, sacred cover. Whether, you know, Megadeth liked it or not, look at Black Sabbath bitches about Born Again, and that's one of my favorite album covers. Oh, fuck it, yeah. What you a know, great I, album cover. And not, oh, only, yeah. not only Black Sabbath, a lot of fans complain about that album cover. But maybe they're just sheep trying to, you know, hey, Tony yeah. don't like it, so I can't either. Yeah, you know, and, and Ian didn't like it either. But to me, that is one of the most metal covers I've ever seen. You want oh to talk my about, God, yeah. you know, something you want on a shirt or a poster. To me, man, fucking that was, a, that was a sh- when I saw that tour, that jersey I had. That I mean, it, right. it, it fell apart. I wore that shit all the time. It was so, oh. and and the back of it. I don't know if you're. And now I'm getting off topic, but the back of the Born Again cover. I mean, shirt wasn't on the album, and it was so cool. It was like a scroll. With like a demon hand writing on it, I was like, nice. man, that would have been nice as the the back cover of it, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, yeah, I love that Born Again album cover. I love that Born Again album, and that's an album that I will not complain about the production either. And a lot of people, but that's the thing about me. That's why, um, if it sounds better, uh, Killing Is My Business sounds better than the remaster. I I don't know. There's something about the charm. Uh, where you know, and I've said this a million times. I can't tell if something sounds like shit, uh, except uh, Blizzard of Oz and Hotter Than Hell. And I love both those albums, but but I can tell those those sound weird, you know. But right, but, uh, I don't see. Uh, you know, I know it sounds primitive. Uh, right, kill, kill my business. Very, it sounds very primitive because you know this is a combat album. That's what you would expect from combat. <laughs> right, right, you exactly. Know? Or Road Racer. Remember when, when Road Runner was yeah, Road yeah, Racer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Diamond and uh, yeah. One yeah. of my favorite compilations is on Road Racer. Now I can't remember the name of it. But uh, but yeah, that's so I was definitely a late comer to this. But you know, certain things were sacred. Like I said, the the album cover to me was was sacred. Uh, you know, that was just that was '80s fucking early thrash. You know, perfection. Uh, but yeah, the album I didn't get into later, man, and I wish. I wish I would have bought it all those years ago and I just looked at it like, ah, it probably sounds bad, so I skipped on it. But now, like I said, absolutely uh, love it. But, uh, you know, I do have some gripes, but we'll get into that as we go song for song. But why don't you take the first one, which is Last Rites, Love to Death. Oh, man, a song about killing your girlfriend. What a great way to start this album, huh? Uh, great classical piano and that builds up to this crazy speed metal personified. These, stra- these strange time changes and, and unorthodox riffage that just seemed to bust out of every angle. You know, Dave was a man on a mission to destroy Megadeth. So he wrote songs like this that, that he knows there's no way Megadeth could play it. You know what I mean? You, you mean Metallica. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh man, that load. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, he was out to show who was technically the best player. And that being said, it's not 
as easy to digest what Metallica were doing at the time, like on Ride the Lightning. That's why I think Metallica were always bigger because, you know, I think they were more accessible. But I, I still think Dave pulled the impossible and made it speed metal. Like, you know, I just love, uh, you know, the, the way he fucking, uh, the song is. And, and I love his voice again. And uh, it is a little low in the mix, I will admit that. But but so is all the other classic Megadeth albums, even like P-Cells and, you know, his voice is not really that predominant, you know. But it's still there. It's you know, I, I don't know. I think it's a well-balanced in the mix. And, um, yeah, and I love like that little, you know, it's very evil, you know, I'll burn in hell, I'll burn in hell with you. And this whole album is very, you know, satanic in a way, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Dave, Dave Mustaine was very influenced by Merciful Fate at this time. You know, that's all he would, you know, Merciful Fate was like his favorite band back then. And, um, yeah, this is a classic, great fucking song, which I was fortunate enough to see him do this live on the Peace Cells tour. Uh, never again I saw him ever play this after that, but, and it was the encore. Like, you know, Ooh, they, nice. they would leave the stage and then the little piano thing would play. And then they come out and just rip again, you know, and uh, wow, what a fucking song. Love love you to death. What a great, great fucking song. What do you think? Oh, hell yeah. And I, and I love the way even they write the title. This is how they should do it so many times when you have an intro. Put that little, you know, hash line in between and, and make it one song. Uh, it is, it, it the intro kind of has like a funny, like almost like, 80s horror, you know, kind of reminds me of The Exorcist a little bit, you know, uh, just a charm to it, you know. But it, but isn't that already uh, like a cover? Like, isn't that already a piece? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's a classical piece from yeah. some, something else. Yeah, they don't have it listed as, as an author, but I know that's something that I heard before. Yeah, that. yeah, me too, yeah. Uh, but but it, it does fit, you know, and it, it, it's so, you know... People from the 80s will know what I'm talking about, you know, like, yeah, it just fits in. It's so of the time, and, and it was metal, you know, everything that metal was back then, you know, evil and the devil shit and all you that You know what I stuff. never thought of till right this second What's was that? that intro kind of reminds me of Death on Two Legs, uh, Queen. It kind of has the same, you know, the piano thing, and then it goes into a heavy song. Well, you know, Death on Two Legs is not a speed metal song, but it's very heavy. And it starts with a classical piano piece, but the difference is the Queen shit was original. Right? Yeah, and, and the difference is this is good. Hey, uh, Death on Two <laughs> Legs is my favorite fucking Queen song, so you just hurt my widow feelings. <laughs> it's all right. It's not as good as Flash. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I love this. This is a fucking 10 out of 10 song. Uh, a great way to not only start off the album, but, you know, just to bring Megadeth to the fucking world. I mean, to the few like you who got it right away. Um, and without a doubt, uh, I don't think it's debatable that out of the big four, Mustaine is the best guitar player. And it's not just me saying that. He'll tell you that too. <laughs> In every fucking interview. Uh, you know, Einstein said that. Yes. Yeah. He did. <laughs> he really did. But, man. Uh, Wikipedia got his death year wrong. <laughs> he actually heard this. Yeah. Then he died. Yeah, um, he died because of his album. It's 
I mean, just amazing. Uh, and how influential this was on metal as a whole. Uh, you know, even though people didn't get it at first, but I mean, I mean, you know, his guitar playing, and it all, always makes me think, like, man, what could have happened if, if he stayed in Metallica? I just think about how much even better they would be, you know, because, man, with with the, the, the songwriting you get out of Metallica, because Metallica is really good at songwriting, and there, there's a song here that, on this album, that's, that's living proof of how you know, that's an element they definitely bring. But the guitar playing of, of Mustaine and those riffs, I just think Metallica could be twice the band they were if he would have stayed in the band. But instead, you get both these. I don't uh, think they'd be as popular if they played music like this, though, from Killing. Yeah, but, boy, we'd like it more. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, that's the most important part. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh but no, I, I love Love to Death. Mustaine said this is his version of a love song. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah. he's talk, yeah, talking yeah. about killing his girlfriend. That's right. And I really miss this, you know, dark, evil side of, of uh, you know, Megadeth. Now if they write an evil song, it's just telling you about politicians being evil. Or the, I, or, or, or the, the, the dangers of evil. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I like it when he worshiped the devil. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all fucking you know fairy tales, kid. But man, I like the fucking you know the, the Satan is better written character, more interesting to me. And I, I I love this shit. And you know, at that time, anything that was was evil. That's why I really wish I would have got this back then, man. Because I just love that shit. And I never you know was a devil worshiper or anything like that. But uh, I was definitely fascinated by it. You know and. You know, no, I love me, me too. Now I'm like so burnt out with it with the black metal and DJ Lucifer. Like, whoa, it's a satanic fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. This hey. is DJ Lucifer. Hey, hey, hey. And we're going to play a song for you. And I'm uh, going to put a pitchfork <laughs> in your kazoo. And I might play a Steve Miller song or two. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, man, evil, evil '80s was awesome. You know, the the artwork, the songwriting, uh, it was very a very special time and so fucking metal. Well, uh, you know, you know why too. I mean, for me personally, I just thought of this a second as well. I think back then, uh, televangelist wasn't as much of a laughing stock as they were now because of the Jimmy Swaggerts and shit that happened in the later 80s. Right. But before the Jimmy Swaggerts and the Jim Bakers, we, you know, not we, but, you know, we all hated them. Uh, metalheads hated those motherfuckers, but we really didn't know they were like, you know, fucking hookers at hotels and raping their secretaries and shit. You know, and that's when they became kind of like, oh, they're a joke. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, but back then, uh, when 85 was around and these people were like, you know, Fire and Brimstone and Megadeth and, and ELO. Yes, ELO was another band uh, that they attacked, believe it or not, and Sticks. Um, uh, and Earth went in fire. <laughs> them too? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Madonna, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, the PMRC and all that shit. But it really, it really does, now it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, judging by my Facebook friends and Thrasher Die fans, 
Uh, they really hate religion, like, to the core. And back then, it wasn't... I mean, there was hate for religion, but it wasn't as, you know, popular as it is now. Because I don't remember anybody making Jesus jokes back then, you know? And I even remember, like, um, Bill Hicks, you know, talking about... And, and Sam Kennison uh, talking about religion. It was kind of shocking to hear that. Now it's like... It's the norm, you know what I mean. So that's what made this more special, right. you know. Right. And I, I and it was like I would listen to this stuff, and honestly, honestly, I mean, I wasn't. My parents never dragged me to church, but I was God fearing. You know, I was a God fearing person. I really did believe in God, and and that I would burn in hell. And I'll never forget my friend, who is on my Facebook now. Who, after 20 years, he found me on Facebook. He told me at a real young age, before I was even into metal, that God didn't exist, the devil didn't, and and I would just sit there because of peer pressure. I kind of like nodded, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he left, I walked in my house and looked up, going, "Please forgive me, God. Please forgive me." <laughs> True story. Oh Lord, but uh, uh, but yeah, as far as the song, man, it's a a Megadeth masterpiece. Unfortunately, you go and see them live now. I don't know if they play anything off this album. Uh, occasionally, Rattlehead. Really? Yes. And, and mechanics. It, it, and mechanics too. Yeah. On oh. occasion. Yeah. Figures it would be those two. <laughs> you know, if you're, you know, out, out of, you know, if you look at the song lyrics and everything. But then we go into the title track. Holy shit! The fucking intro to this. I mean, is just fucking amazing. Killing is my business. And business is good. Uh, this song is about the Punisher, the comic book character. And man, holy shit, um, this is just fucking amazing. You know, this isn't like getting on the radio, Megadeth. This is just fucking pure thrash, and uh, absolutely fucking love it. To me, this is what when I think of the Megadeth sound, I think of this. You know, I, I always harken back to the, the good old days. And I, I like the last album, but still, it's like, you know, I don't think you'll ever get back to shit like this. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, again, this is another 10 out of 10 track. Uh, not my favorite, but goddamn, I mean, it's, it's one of them. Holy shit. Great track. What do you think? Uh, this, this song really separates... Uh, Megadeth from all the bands at that time, you know, uh, like the last track. Uh, hearing this back then, uh, for the first time, it was so unique and jaw dropping, you know. Um, <clears throat> everybody on this uh, on this album is doing stuff that even today does not sound humanly possible to pull off, and to think this guy is playing all these crazy riffs and changes and singing while doing it. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, this song personifies that. I think, I think it's an insanely killer track and, uh, yeah, I love it as well. And I'll go into the next one. I love that song to death, by the way. Uh, skull beneath the skin. Um, I give, I give a shout out to this song. On uh, Wake Up, Smell the Thrash. You know, I do that Wake Up... Uh, my song, Wake Up, Smell the Thrash, I, I mention bands and lyrics, and I do I do say Skull Beneath the Skin in that song. 
the lyrics to the song is the birth of Vic Rattlehead. You yes. Know? And uh, that idiot Scott Ian actually said something cool once. He said this is his <laughs> favorite Megadeth song. And uh, Scott Ian is also a tool. <laughs> he... He is into something here, though. He's onto something here, though. And uh, this song is just badass. This is the the purest Megadeth album, I think. You know, all speed, no crunchy riffs. I think they added the thrash element starting with the next album, Wake Up Dead. This album is just crazy speed metal riffage with a bunch of incredible musicians keeping up with this madman's revenge music. And that's how I look at this. I look at this album like, very pissed off and wanting I mean this is like him just dying to like kill fucking Metallica and that's why you know this it's so crazy technically and he really thought I mean it took him you know a little bit to realize nah dude I gotta like tone it down a bit to keep up with with Metallica you know that's when it finally dawned on him that you know uh, this ain't working you know And, and it wasn't I mean it was working I mean but it wasn't working to Metallica's level, so. But Skull Beneath the Skin, fucking outstanding track. What do you think? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, you hit my notes about this being about Vic Rattlehead. The the lyrics are fucking killer on this. Uh, you know, describing, the, you know, skin getting ripped and everything. And, man, this is just thrash perfection. Uh, was originally called Self-Destruction. Oh, man. I mean, just these three songs in a row. I mean, most albums don't even have, you know, three songs this good on them, let alone just like bam, bam, bam. <laughs> you know, this is just fucking amazing. And, uh, you know, the, the scream, you know, that scream at the beginning and stuff. Oh, man. I fucking love this shit. Uh, Which, by the way, I did see them play this on wow. the Rust, Rust and Peace tour. I mean, I saw him played on on um, uh, the Peace Cells tour, but so far they didn't do it. But Rust in Peace, they did it. But uh, yeah, dude, uh, not much more I can say, man. Amazing song, and you know, from my favorite fucking era, favorite lineup. But then we go into the controversy of the album. Well, I mean, it wasn't controversy to years later. Uh, their cover of "These Boots Are Made for Walking," uh, made popular by Nancy Sinatra. Uh, the author, Lee Hazelwood, apparently, I, I think what must have happened is he just never listened to it, just signed off and then maybe heard it and uh, was offended by what they had done to his pretty little song. Uh, because he does, you know, fuck with the lyrics and everything. I've always thought this is a stupid fucking song. Whether it's... You know, the, the original version that's on this, that's uncensored, or, you know, the, the, the one they released later that has all the beeps on it. Uh, I, I don't know. It's Megadeth is, is one of those bands that does a lot of fucking covers. But I, I, I hate more of them than I like. But, man, they just had a problem doing... You know, every album had a cover until fucking uh, Rust in Peace. And... Man, I just, I don't know. This, it's a, it's too silly. And I think, that, you know, this is something that hurt him too. Like, you didn't see Metallica doing this shit. I mean, at least not then. And even when they did a cover, you know, they, they did obscure covers back in the day that nobody in America knew or anything like that. They didn't take like a fucking 60s girl song and then do a fucking cover of it. 
I, I know a lot of people who were, you know, into this album originally, they love this fucking track. But I have, have never cared for it. On uh, the remastered version, it, it's at the end. And I like that because I could just end the album there. And there's also a lot of uh, additions I saw online now that just don't have the song at all on there. And I'm fine with that. Uh, oh, the, oh, you know something I totally forgot about? What's that? Uh, my friend Pat from Hellwitch was the person that gave Megadeth those demos that are on the remastered. Oh, okay. Because they couldn't find it. They couldn't find those uh, those demos anywhere, and they got a hold of Pat, and he had them. Now, those I haven't listened to yet. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very poor sounding. I remember that. There's uh, It's uh, Last Rites, Love You to Death, Mechanics, and Skull Beneath the Skin demos are on the 2002 reissue. And they got them from my friend Pat. And, wow. and by the way, my friend Pat was thanked on the, uh, the credits of uh, Behind the Music. Because uh, he also gave them a couple footages of oh. uh, Megadeth from back then. That, you know, was very rare. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, that, that's all I got, man. I just, I, I don't like this song. Ne- never have, never. Well, I mean, I love the original, but I I, I don't like I the- love the original. And that video, oh my God. I oh wanked, yeah. I wanked my Peter to that one. Oh yeah, she was hot as shit. And, and I do, I do love the song. It's just, to, to me, it just sounds, it sounds stupid. It's a, it, it's like fucking Slayer doing tiptoe through the tulips, you know. It just I don't care how you change it. It just it's not right. It's not thrash uh, to me, at least. But I know a lot a lot of other old school fans who, who disagree. What do you think? Well, before that, I gotta say, you say she was hot. That bitch is always hot. I oh yeah, get, I'd I still hit it. Yeah, I would hit it too. I mean, maybe she looks decrepit now. I don't know. But dude, just turn on that video and put her in my bed. <laughs> I look at the TV and I'm banging that twat. Um, the reason why you think this song's silly because you don't get it, Ian. You've never swallowed a load for Buzz Fair. Oh, you don't that's, know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't need the Buzz Fair. I was just experimental. <laughs> you see, you weren't desperate like me. We're, you weren't silly like me. I just did it to copy you. <laughs> but I, I love this. I love this version. This is the best Megadeth cover ever. Because uh, they they made it their own. Like Hendrix did to All Along the Watchtower, what Typo did to Black Sabbath. You know, Megadeth took this Nancy Sinatra song and made it their own. And I love the lyrics like, you know, get you in this bed, bitch, and all that. And I think that dude did hear this, and that, that's what offended him, how they changed around the lyrics. You know, to you know, where he uses like profanity. Well, bitch is profanity to old schoolers. And you know, I'll get you in this bed. I forgot. I can't remember the lyrics now offhand. But I know there's some line where he's gonna nail you to this bed. And uh, I got. Oh yeah, I got back. Uh, back string matches. You know, bitch, you got a lot to learn. You know, uh, I love it, and I love the little reggae in it, and and uh, the drumming is fucking off the charts, and it's like. And they really make it, like, again, no crunchiness, pure speed metal. And, dude, there's nothing that resembles these boots at all, except the lyrics, you know? That's it. That's all. But the musically, you know, it's just totally different, except, like, the beginning maybe have the same bass riff a little bit, but it's kind of, like, disguised. But, oh, man, kidding me? I love these boots. You know what I think? It it, it might be the lyrics that... uh 
yeah, yeah. That's, that's throwing me said. out because because mus- musically, I mean, there there is some interesting parts, but but just the it just sounds silly to me, and I and I'm thrash shouldn't be silly. And you like Anthrax? Ain't that a fucking cl- ain't that a kicker? Yeah, but when I think of Anthrax, I don't think of I'm the man. You know? Yeah, do you think of uh, of um, that stupid song about the preacher? You're making me laugh. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't even think those lyrics are as silly as this shit. I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. It, it, to me, thrash should never be like cock rock. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just certain subjects and like hearing like cock rock lyrics and thrash music just don't go. They just don't gel for me. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I want to hear more, uh, you know, serious topics, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, uh, like evil or, or like, you know, social or something like that. Because to me, that's what, besides the music really separated thrash, is it was much more serious and more metal lyrically than cock rock, you know. There was no Spoon Moon in June. It was either, you know, the devil's going to get you. Or talking about how corrupt, you know, politics. There was something about it that was smarter than a lot of people gave it credit for. Always in, in early thrash, you know. And I think that separated it. But I don't know. It, it just comes off as silly to me. But, I mean, you know, teach their own. All right. Flip it over. Rattlehead. The ultimate pure, unfiltered Megadeth song right here. And he took a cue from Metallica's Whiplash. I don't know if you noticed. Where they mention, you know, Whiplash mentions Metallica. Yeah. Where here he mentions Megadeth. Right. And I can't can't help. This song is directed at Metallica in that middle section. With the annihilating, annihilating you. (laughs) I kind of like get that vibe. That he's singing that section about. Megadeth, I mean Metallica, you know? Oh, yeah. And yes, technically he does annihilate them. This song is relentless. Speed metal at its finest is written all over this song. And it's it's a, it's a headbanger anthem, you know? It's like, rattle your head, rattle your goddamn head. And it's like, you know, this is one of those songs that, believe me, man, that piece sells to her, and they brought it back on uh, uh, so far. This is what got the pit going. I mean, big time. This is like one of those, at the time, people that were into Megadeth was like, this was their black magic, you know, from Slayer would do the same thing. And it was that one, you know, and it's, and you know, all the songs on this album are technical speed metal crazy, but they all have some kind of, I mean, I look, even like, you know, uh, Love to Death has a little intro. Uh, Killing My Business starts with bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's great. Sculpting is This one is like, dude, like fucking, like right out the gate, it's fucking 100 million miles an hour when it starts and it ends 100 million miles an hour and there's no breathing room in between. And that's why I feel like this is like the most unfiltered Megadeth song ever. You know, this is the one song that's like the most fastest crushing song they've ever done. Uh, and I don't know, man. Maybe this would be my... Uh, no, not my favorite. Second favorite. Uh, my favorite's coming up. But goddamn, I love Rattlehead. What do you think? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, if you love 
like real old school thrash and speed metal, how could you not love it? This one's about the fans, uh, you know, calls them the rattleheads. Uh, and it's just, uh, like you said, you know, pure, you know, there, there's no, nothing trying to be commercial or, you know, anything like that. This is just, this is for the people who get this type of music, the people that are in the pit. And this reminds just, it's so old school Megadeth. I fucking love Rattlehead, man. Uh, and I, I would love to see it played now, but probably, you know, I would say 90% of the crowd wouldn't even know what the fuck it was. Oh, yeah. But but it would be so special for the ones who do, you know. They do throw it out on occasion, though. They do. Oh, man. I, I, w- I would love to hear that. And then I'll take the next one, which is the Chosen Ones. Uh, or just Chosen Ones. I fucking love this fucking song. Now, <laughs> funny enough, the uh, inspiration for this song does come from something funny. It comes from the character uh, Tim the Enchanter from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know the guy got the horns and everything? I don't know if you know that movie or not. Yes, 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 yes. Right. So, you know, partially inspired by that. But, uh, man, the, the song, you know, nothing comical or funny about it, man. It's just a straight-up fucking metal song that is flawless. Flawless, man. Uh, one of my favorites on the album, dude. I love Chosen Ones. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, he kind of t- uh, try Dave tries to tone it down a bit on this song, I think, because it's not so uh, all over the place the whole time. It does have some changes. If there's any song off this album uh, could uh, pull off this album, uh, Metallica can pull off, it would be this one. You know, um, uh, it would be this song, but it wouldn't lose its charm without those snotty vocals. You know, I love Dave's voice. It's so unique. Oh yeah. It's as unique as the music. I find this song and album criminally underrated actually. I think this is an underrated tune. Probably the most underrated song on the album because nobody really talks about this one. Uh -uh. Uh, Uh-uh. This should be up there, you know, with the, you know, this album period. You know, I think should be up there with the first Sabbath, Sad Wings, uh, the first Maiden, uh, Venom's Welcome to Hell, the Merciful Fate EP, Morbid Tales by Celtic Frost, uh, Bonded by Blood is the most unique debut metal album of all time. Uh, it's just, I think it, it's it's so overshadowed by yeah. Peace Sells. Yeah, you know? it is, it is. Uh, and Because Peace Sells is so fucking great. You know, that's my favorite one. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, it was it was on a major label. It had better production. It was pushed. I mean, there there was no videos for this album, was there? No. I never saw. You know, no, there wasn't. So you know, I mean, people didn't discover this album when it came out unless they were like you. They were so into the scene, and and back then, I mean, I know, I mean, I wasn't there there, but you know what I mean. It's like even people who were into metal weren't necessarily into thrash metal. I mean, that was like the extreme of the extreme at the time, you know, and, and, you know, even the small percent of metal fans, even smaller percent was listening to shit like this. And there was no, you know, this wasn't talked about on MTV. If you didn't, if you weren't involved in like fanzines or the hardcore metal magazines, you didn't know about shit like this. I'll tell you one thing about Megadeth. The very first time Megadeth was mentioned on MTV, 
And I have it on video, and I actually put it up on uh, YouTube. If you want to look through it, but you're going to have to sit there for a couple hours. Uh, was Heavy Metal Mania, the show hosted by D. Snyder. Yes. And he used to do little portions of news. And while he was doing news one time, Ozzy was sitting next to him. And you could tell this is the first time Ozzy ever heard of Megadeth because uh, D. Snyder goes, Oh, and uh, on tour now, uh, Megadeth. That's how D. Snyder said it. And Ozzy starts cracking up. Like, what the hell? You know, like, <laughs> Megadeth. And he goes, Featuring uh, former guitarist Damon Stain from Metallica, and he doesn't want you to forget that. So I guess like he, uh, Deed kind of knew about him, but yeah, it was very, dude, very underground, man, very, very underground. And and yeah, Awake, um, P Cells, uh, the video came out before I bought the album. It might have been out already. I'm not sure, but I remember seeing the video for P Cells, and I was like, holy fuck, you know. And I, but now they brought the crunch. And I actually noticed that too. I was like, oh, they're crunchy now. You know, because that first time, you know, I was like, oh, he really wants to separate himself from Metallica. But there he kind of like, even though it doesn't sound like a Metallica album at all, it wasn't until like Countdown they were trying to be Metallica like full force. Right. But um, uh, yeah, Chosen One's a great song, but it's, it's very, very. Uh, I never hear anybody talk about Chosen. If it, if anybody talks about any songs on this album, like real hardcore metalheads, it's the next one. Looking Down the Cross. That's the one that a lot of people bring up. Uh, and rightfully so. Because it is my favorite track on the album. Uh, the crazy changes and his warped views of religion at the time made this just splatter all over, you know, all over this metalhead at the time looking for something new. And this album brought it. There, there's an innocence to this album too, like, like a little boy holding a knife behind his back. You know what I mean? It's 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 it's. I don't know. It's 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 malicious. It's snotty, and there's just something about this song, dude. If I was gonna name like the epic on this album, it would be this one. You know, if there was no such thing as in my darkest hour, this to me would be their stairway to heaven. Uh, love looking down the cross, and it's a shame, you know that Dave refuses to do. I mean, people always talk about The Conjuring, which I probably like a tad better than this song, actually. That's how much I love P-Cells. That The Conjuring ain't even my favorite song on that album. But this one, you know, it has that same, you know, philosophy, you know, like, I mean, well, The Conjuring is more about black magic, but this one is like, I don't even understand how, how this is satanic. To tell you the truth, it's a song about Jesus looking on the cross, right? Well, it, it's about uh, the temptation <coughs> of Jesus. Oh, okay, okay, there you go. But um, yeah, I, uh, my favorite song. I love this song. I love everything about the element. And the, my favorite part is that hit the ground, hit the ground, hit it on the masses, that little breaks down section in the middle of it. Holy fuck, is that fucking epic! It's so beautifully done. Uh, love it. This one you can tell probably was the hardest one for him to write, I think, uh, because it has all these great elements to it. You know, uh, love looking on the cross. What do you think? Well, it's scary when this happens, but we agree this is my favorite track on the fucking album. Uh, definitely an epic track, and you can really hear, like in a lot of the other songs, you, you hear like this groundbreaking new sound 
on this one you get that as well but I, I also think a lot of influences come through on this one because I can hear Merciful Fate in this I can hear Iron Maiden in this uh, just amazing it was originally called Speak No Evil but uh man uh I mean how this is not played and I know a lot of Megadeth fans wouldn't know this fucking song you know cause this album is that overlooked and uh it's a it's a damn shame cause this is some of their finest songs ever are on this album I, I think like I, I understand giving the you know the little nods to Peace Cells but man this album is so so close to it with, with you know the songs that hit on this uh man Absolutely. I got. I gotta say. I gotta say, Peace Cells is my favorite album. But I will say, it's not as pure as this album. It just. I just happen to like the songs better. But I think there. There's more of a pure, pureness to this album than any Megadeth album. You know, it's the most original Megadeth album. Let, let me put it that way. Right. Them being themselves more than any other album. Right, but man, this song, and I, I can't even think of another Megadeth song that sounds like this, and I think, you know, and that goes with, say, you know, original, uh, it, it just makes it stand out that much more, and I think I love it that much more because of that, you know, I've never heard another song like, oh, they're, they're just, you know, ripping off, you know, uh, looking down the cross, you know, it's like, no, there's only, you know, looking down the cross, <laughs> absolutely amazing and man that you can't get this kind of shit out of him anymore because of dumbass fucking religion you know it's just like it's so stupid not not to hear songs like this or the conjuring and then to hear that shit like he was talking about possibly playing the conjuring but with with new lyrics i'm like oh god yeah, no. yeah don't please don't do it yeah yeah if, if that's what you gotta fucking do to sleep at night don't even fucking do it don't even play crush them you fucking idiot you know, just just play that shit. That's safe. <laughs> you know, like, oh man, don't don't ruin masterpieces like this. You know, but you know, I feel bad for you know fans that don't get to hear shit like this. You know, maybe if they, you know, played some shit more off of this, you know, younger fans would go back and 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 you know check this shit out because they definitely should. You know, because I I know a lot of Megadeth fans that came on, you know, during the sellout years. That, you know, now, you know, they, they've come around to the, the older stuff. But still, you never hear this album talked about the way Peace sells, you know, Rust in Peace. And even to extent, you know, So Far So Good, I, I think, is one of those albums that got a lot of shit when it came out. But now people look at it more, you know, favorable. You know, the, the same should be with this. You know, more people should go out, you know, and, and check this one out. Because, of, you know, just for this track alone, not to mention the other genius stuff but just looking down the fucking cross man uh love it love it but to me the album ends there because unfortunately next is mechanics and wow i and this may be a sacrilege to some megadeth fans hello <laughs> but how in the fuck could you do when you're trying to outdo uh, Metallica, can you do this? Can oh, you? I'll put... tell you why. Can... I know. I know exactly why. But it's can... obvious why. But go ahead. Well, 
yes, I mean, he, he wrote that riff. He came up with it. You know, it's his song, but what they did with it is so... It's like light years, light years fucking better. You know, I mean, Four Horsemen, Jesus Christ. That is a fucking, like, damn near seven-minute fucking epic. But here, you get mechanics, which is like four minutes and 20 seconds with the worst fucking lyrics ever committed to a Megadeth album. I don't know, know, Crush Them might might be close. But it sounds like fucking Nikki Six wrote this fucking shit. Dumbass lyrics about fucking a chick at a fucking, uh, at a gas station or something. And that's if you can understand what the fuck he's saying, man. I had to, like, look, I had to, like, look up the lyrics to see what the fuck he's even saying. Because you can't under, you know, and, and I, I mean, how can anybody listen to this and not hear the Four Horsemen, you know, and not want to hear the Four Horsemen and not know that that is a gazillion times better fucking song. I mean, and I, I get he's pissed because here, you, you know, they got all these hits and classics off his back. You know what? I mean, I think there's only, what, two songs on Kill 'Em All that he doesn't have a credit on, you know, and then he's still credited with songs on, on uh, Ride the Lightning. And he and he says he wrote part of, uh, was it D- uh, Damage Inc. or Leper Messiah? I think he, Leper, he, Leper Messiah. Yeah, yeah, he claimed to it, but he wasn't given credit for off a of master but man if your mission is, is is to fucking you know go out and kill metallica you can't do it like this and another thing where he really let it down is i mean i guess i understand you know if you're a you're an addict especially a heroin addict you're not thinking right uh but man you look at the sound on uh ride the lightning which is light years above the production on Kill 'Em All. You know, that's where Metallica, they just had a, a better overall sound. You know, but, man, I mean, Four Horsemen was already a fucking classic track when this came out. And to put out this inferior version, I, I mean, uh, you're, you're just asking, you know, if people are going to compare the two, you know, the two bands, you know, when you play somebody the Four Horsemen, then you play the Mechanics, which one do you think they're going to fucking pick? Hello. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. Uh, and it's just, and, and then like I said, those lyrics, like, man. You, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't at least come up with something about the devil or something. I mean, you, you write this silly shit about, you know, with horrible fucking metaphors. Like I said, I don't even know if Nikki Six could write something that bad or i don't know if he's ripping off nikki six or nikki six ripped him off but it's just fucking horrible and, and what a way to to end the album it's like there's so much groundbreaking shit and then this is just like a, you know end it with a turd in my opinion but again that's my opinion but man it's just like every time this this came out and i listen to this album shit probably about 10 times getting ready for this uh, review, you know, because it got put off a week. Yeah, you listened to it ten times. It only took you an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty damn short. Oh, yeah, but but I would always, like, you know, just to make sure of, of my opinion, I would always listen to them because I got them all in one file on my iTunes. I got, it, it goes the original version first and then the remastered. And I did that with all the, the, the Megadeth albums. I have both versions, but I always put the original first 
you know, and then I put the, the remaster. Uh, but, oh, yeah, it never, I never changed my opinion on it. It doesn't matter if it's the original or remastered. It's still, like, it's so, such a half-baked version. And, uh, man, it, like I say, if you're trying to beat somebody, man, you, you, can't, you can't come out with this, man. It just... It, it don't work. At least it don't work to my ears. But uh, let, let's see if you think I'm crazy. What do you think of mechanics? Nah, I hear you. Uh, listen, here's something interesting that I've heard in interviews with Dave Mustaine, um, which I've never heard this. But supposedly, right? Supposedly, because I get, I get uh, attacked a lot for saying supposedly. <laughs> but I'm just doing a, a tribute to Kurtzman. Right, <laughs> but 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 check it out. Dave Mustaine in many interviews talked about how Leonard Skinner influenced him a lot. That he wrote the Sweet Home Alabama part in what we know of the Four Horsemen. You know that little middle section. He said he totally ripped off Skinner on that. But that's not in Mechanics. And every version I heard of Mechanics from Metallica didn't have that version that that part with. Uh, when Mustaine was in the band. Now, I do own a couple bootlegs that maybe I should uh, revisit, but I think Mustaine wrote this full song. Now, if he changed the lyrics to Four Horsemen, I don't think he did. I think even with the changes of the Sweet Home Alabama part, you know, that he's talking about. You know the part I'm talking about in Four Horsemen? Right, where, right. where it's not mechanics, the, the, that section? Right. Well, Mustaine claimed he ripped off Sweet Home Alabama to that part but I've never heard Mustaine you know uh, play with Metallica that version it, I'm sure it's on some live version it has to be you know but it's definitely not on No Life to Leather uh, which I own and I have like a demo for it too on this bootleg CD called uh, Metallica with Dave Mustaine where the album cover is not only Kurt Hammett it's Jason Newstead <laughs> <laughs> and then you take the you take this the little sleeve out and on the back of it just has a picture of Mustaine, uh, which is weird, you know. Whoa. I mean, come on, is it that hard to find a picture of Metallica with Dave Mustaine back then? <laughs> but anyway, um, being that Metallica changed the song, I guess the lyrics to Four Horsemen, Dave recorded it the way it was first made. And as immature, yes, I will agree with you. As immature as these lyrics uh, are, to me, it adds charm. But then again, I love Shout of the Devil. And uh, I also found this version better than the Four Horsemen because of its unchained and sporadic charm to it. There's just, there's just something about, again, like this... It's kind of, it's kind of to me like Rattleheadish, you know. It's like, well, well are you? You're, let me get this straight. You're saying you like Mechanics better than the Four Horsemen? Yes. Wow. I love Four Horsemen though. Don't get me wrong. I do love it. I love that. And and I heard, I, and believe me, I heard. I guess because I heard Mechanics before whole Four Horsemen, because I own No Life to Leather uh, before Kill 'Em All. Uh, a real shitty version of it though, because I've heard. Uh, how it really sounds, and it's like, wow, mine was very generational. But I, I guess because it was the first one I heard, I don't know. And I just find it, you know, I just, I just, I don't know. There's just a, an innocent charm to it. And I got to remember, I, I was there where, you know, uh, 
you know, this was brand new and, you know, Metallica was brand new and everything seemed cool back then, you know, even the silly lyrics and shit. Yeah, looking now at it, and, uh, but I think Dave Mustaine was just so pissed off that they changed the, the, the lyrics to the song because I don't think they changed that song at all. That whole new version you hear on Kill Em All, Dave Mustaine wrote that shit. So they took his, and I've heard Dave Mustaine say in interviews back then that they took my fucking song and, uh, and, and changed it around. Like, I, I'm sure he was talking about the lyrics because of the Sweet Home Alabama thing. But yeah, I'll, I'll, if I had to choose between the two awesome songs, because I'm not slamming Four Horsemen, I just prefer Mechanics. Wow. Thank you. My mind is blown. <laughs> Wow. So was so was that guy that I got back from. <laughs> His cock was blown. His head was blown too. <laughs> I'm sure he was singing Four Horsemen while you were doing it too. Like, whoa, Nelly, you're gonna make me come too quick. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, still, as much as I don't care for mechanics and. Uh, these boots. The other songs on this album are so uh, fucking incredible, and and uh, I mean just so amazing. Uh, I do. I put it up there with with uh, neck and neck with P cells. I, re- I really do. And on, on some days I might say I like this one even more. I mean just because the songs I love on this man are so. I mean and I love P cells too, man. But there's just something about this album. And uh, again, to to the listeners, uh, this is one time where I will recommend uh, the remastered version. But hell, you know, get get both, or you know, listen to both. You know, people can go on YouTube and 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 hear both of them, make up their own mind. Uh, but this is one where I I, I would advise uh, the remastered. But man, get the original just for the cover alone. <laughs> yeah, that that new that new cover sucks. And we uh, both agree this is better than Rust in Peace. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not more, a popular thing to say. No, and, and I, I, I love Rust in Peace. Don't oh, get so me, do I. Uh, so I mean, do I. Amazing. That's my, that's my third favorite. But, uh, but you know, this is when, when I think of the original lineup. That's Megadeth to me. You know, and then you know it's just a revolving door. I mean, Jesus Christ! I think they beat uh, Deep Purple for fucking members. Because besides Dave Mustaine, there's been 27 people who have either recorded or toured with Megadeth. 27 people besides Dave Mustaine. I counted today. <laughs> you yeah, know? well, well, if Thrasher Die goes on 10 more years, we'll, we'll top that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me go down the line. Let me see. Yeah, but just because one guy dresses as a woman don't count as two. It's Ouch. still one person. <laughs> let, let me think. Okay. Being that I'm the only original member left, that's four people gone. Then we have uh, five people from uh, from the last album. Well, actually, two of them are gone, and uh, we got two new members. So, <laughs> what's that? Five, six, seven. We're we're up to seven, and we're only on the album two. I'm catching up. I already beat them all. If you're judging by you know first album, second album. I mean, dude, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I beat them. I, I Hands down, I beat Deep Purple and, and, and Megadeth because their first two albums had the same members. 
Our second album only had two members left. <laughs> Hell yeah. And the next Thrasher Die album, I'm going to give away a spoiler. I already, uh, it, it was, it was, um, it was a weird way of doing it because the guy even said, uh, when I when I announced the new lineup, he said, "Wow, what is this? A Doctor Fuck show?" <laughs> he goes, "No, no members left." And then I wrote, "Yeah, I'm the last man standing." And then he wrote, "Hey, that's a good song title." I was like, "Light bulb over my head. That's gonna be on the new album. I, I gotta write a song called Last Man Standing about you know, about me being in the band." And don't 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 say it again. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say, but don't no, don't, no, don't no, say. It. No, I was just gonna say, out of the two members that are on both albums, one's you and one's the fucking puppet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, yeah, no. Oddly enough, the the set the 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 last album has two original members, but that member only did like two three solos on the album. All the rhythm guitar was done by Ryan even his parts and even Ryan did like you know and this guy wrote some of these songs and he didn't play nothing on it except a solo you know we do, we totally pulled a Bob Kulik there but uh, oh. yeah yeah great album great album uh, Melting Your Skull oh and also Killing My Business yeah so uh, so that's that uh, this is an amazing uh, uh, episode I mean amazing album and uh, was picked by Stephen Palmer, who donated for the expo. So thank Fuck you. Yeah. Th- this was a this was a great great pick, and uh, I-, I know Ralph was stoked to do this one, and and so was I. Oh yeah, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Finally, somebody picked something I really really love. Well, I love Pride and Glory too. Yeah. Well, like I'm saying, I I mean, really, I mean, and Minecraft. Yeah. I I mean I mean the one you just hate that cure so bad you know but all the other records you know you, you didn't hate it just that cure one pissed you off so bad now you think everyone's bad yeah i mean listening to that cure album really made me more ashamed sucking that guy off for buster <laughs> oh lord all right well do you have a pick of the week this week fuck i don't jesus go ahead you, you pick some all right uh my pick of the week is uh Totally different than this, but uh, a great vinyl I just picked off by a band no longer together, uh, the Icarus Line from California, and their album Wildlife. Uh, really cool band. Uh, they started out was kind of they were more of like a punk band, but then they they changed over you know the next couple albums more of just like a like an indie drug rock kind of band. But not like in a cheesy, like, hey, let's get on the radio way. Uh, the, you know, they kept, like, the punk side of them, but some really good just, like, drug rock is, is the best way to describe it. Different than the Black Angels, but it's just hard to explain, but they're a really cool band that's had a revolving door of members. So with each new album, they, they all have different sounds. Uh, but I think they benefit from having, you know, all the lineup changes. Uh, because you get all this different awesome music uh, but go on YouTube check out you know a few songs I love we sick uh, you know, just everything on the album uh, check it out Icarus line wildlife that is my pick of the week alright well, I'm going to pick something I mentioned during this episode when I was talking about game changers and debut albums um my pick of the week is uh, Celtic Frost's Morbid Tales. 
Nice. Uh, which is another one of those, you know, it, it had the same effect on me as uh, the Killing Is My Business album. It was different. It was way ahead of its time. Uh, it was very dark and very metal with kind of a gothy type vibe. Oh, yeah. It. And uh, I think it's a game changer, man. Uh, very, very influential band. And uh, that to me is like, man, I don't think anybody will disagree with me when, when you say, you know, what is Celtic Frost's best album? I mean, I don't think anybody will ever say, you know, like Emperor's Return, which is great as well, or Into the Pandemonium, where they were starting to change, but I still like like it. Definitely not Cole Lake, you know, unless you're a fucking, <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're Nate, you know? <laughs> right, right. You know, Nate will pick, Nate will, Nate, hey, Nate, there's your pick of the week. Go check out Cole Lake. That's when Celtic Frog got all hair metal and shit, butt rock. But man... That fucking album is so fucking amazing. Uh, Morbid Tales. Definitely worth checking. If you're listening to this album, let me put it this way. If you're like, oh, they're going to review Kills My Business. I love that album because I'm a super Megadeth nerd. And I think that album is fucking amazing. And you've never heard Morbid Tales. Dude, it doesn't sound like Kills My Business, but it is just as groundbreaking. It's just so... No band was doing that at the time. And let me say something extremely blasphemous that a lot of hardcore metal people will hate me for. I am not a fan of Hellhammer. Sorry. A lot of people praise Hellhammer because that's Priest Celtic Frost. To me, Morbid Tales where they fucking, they nailed it. It's like, I love that they got away from Hellhammer. Yeah, uh, I, I tried to get into Hellhammer, you know, because of the reputation it has, but... Yeah, oh, yeah, it's man. very, very... I mean, shit, like the real hardcores will look at that more than Morbid Tales because Morbid Tales is more popular. Right. You know, but no, 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 fuck that. Morbid Tales, Celtic Frost, just a mind-blowing fucking band. And that album right there, every... I mean, from beginning to end. Ooh! <laughs> oh! Ooh! <laughs> Love them. Oh, my God. Wish they would get back together. Yeah, and, and that's definitely, you know, especially if you're into, like, the, the thrashier stuff. That I would say Morbid Tales is their most, like, metal album. Because yeah. they, they, they got very experimental, you know. But that's part of, you know, their influence because nobody else was doing stuff like that. But, I mean, you want to talk about a band uh, that was all over the fucking map. I mean, you know. I mean, even doing shit, you know, like they did, uh, you know, their cover of Mexican Radio was so fucking weird yeah. for, a, for a band like that, you know, and they had some really, um, really weird shit. That, and I think it's something that you won't get on the first listen either, you know? No, yeah, that's true. I mean, I didn't, but I, you know what? The first time I heard it, I didn't really get it, but it made me like so curious that I wanted to get it, you know? Right. It's one of those albums I was like, let me go back, man, because I know that it's just so different. You know, I mean, the way it even starts with Into the Crypto Rays, it's just, yeah. wow, you know? But Into the, Megatherion is another awesome fucking album, too. Yeah. You know, but, but 84 is Morbid Tales, man. And that's when I bought it, back in 84, because it was one of those import albums that I just saw the cover, and it's just so weird looking. Right. I was like, oh, man, I gotta see this. Dethrone Emperor. 
Right. Uh, that's probably the most accessible song on there. Yeah, and a lot of people know it. You know, Sepultura covered it. You know, oh, old Sepultura. I, I know Anthrax did. Yeah. Um, and and another one I would recommend, but if I remember correctly, you didn't like it. Uh, was Monothesis the reunion? No, no, album. no, no. I did like it. There were oh, okay. A few, you know, the reason why you're saying that I didn't like it because you remember my story. Uh, I saw that tour. And they played a song on there I didn't like. And oh, that's when okay. I, I ran out to get a t-shirt and people were hanging out. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing out here? Taking pictures in this back in the MySpace days. They were all taking pictures out there. And I remember one chick in specific that I'm still friends with. And I won't mention her name because I still haven't got, I still haven't banged her. That girl was out there taking pictures. And I saw one of those pictures on MySpace. And she said, me at Celtic Frost. I was like, no, you weren't. You were in the fucking patio. <laughs> but, uh, oh, and, that, and that, and what you just said, that incident of me running out to get the, that t-shirt and running back in before the song was done. I mean, I didn't have to run back in because everybody's in there watching the show. Nobody's buying shirts. Um, inspired me to write No Pose Aloud. That was the song that inspired. Because there was, uh, this, uh, all right, I'll say it. Fuck it. I'm not going to mention the person. I won't even mention the band. But this person was wearing a skirt of a band that I questioned her once. And I nailed it. She didn't even know fucking uh, one of their songs. And that's where... The, oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was that album on her skirt. <laughs> oh, man. And well, uh, She doesn't listen to the show, but, you know, whatever. And uh, another... Uh, band that I like, and I, I think you said you didn't like it though. I could be wrong. Is uh, his new band, uh, Tom G. Warrior's new band, Tripticon? I don't know if it's I pronounced not, that no, right. No, 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 it's not bad. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I don't think I don't think it sucks. It's it's good. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I thought you didn't like that in the last album. I, I might have you confused with somebody though. No. <clears throat> All right. Well, now it's time to go to fan of the week, and fan of the week is the man who picked this, Stephen Palmer from the UK. Uh, Man, Steve's been on, on the page for a while now, and uh, I always see him on there. Uh, like to see a little bit more of him, but uh, he's been on a lot lately. And w- what a what a fan to support something like this, like the expo that that we're doing. And hell, we've got so many of these episodes; they're probably going to be right around the expo when this airs. Uh, but man, for somebody that th- that just loves the show so much, there's no way he can make it to this expo. But he wanted to support the show and and that's incredible i mean really uh just awesome to me you know especially seeing people from other countries that that there's no way in hell they can make it to this but they want it to be a success for us and they want to represent you know us to represent the show at this expo and and that's incredible and you picked a killer fucking album so thank you so much i mean i wonder if his buddy greg lake and keith emerson like that Yeah, we, we, we got to have all three of them on. Yeah. No, they're <laughs> dead, actually. I think they both died. Uh, who's a, who's alive? Is Palmer uh, alive? Or no, well, he, he picked died. this album, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, Stephen Palmer, you are the fan of the week. And I think this is awesome because he's never been fan of the week. So here's your, your first time, and you definitely earned this one, brother. Thank you so much for contributing and for listening to the show. Thank you, buddy. I, uh, they used to call me Palmer because I, I jacked <laughs> off a lot. 
Yeah, well, the people at the bus stop called you something different. <laughs> yeah, they called me Mouther. <laughs> hey, there's Ralph Mouth. <laughs> yeah, Ralph Throat. <laughs> All right, let's get into the plugs. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A.uk, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that Thrasher Peace episode, and we know you did, come back next week when, once again, it will be a fan-picked episode. Will it be something as classic as this or something even more underrated? Who knows? We're getting new ones every day. So make sure you're here next week, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bus fare is my business and my mouth is good. Oh.